Thanks for joining to another episode of This is a Library Podcast, uh, a podcast project with the Chatham-Kent Public Library. It's a podcast project that engages feedback gleaned from the community as the foundation for curiosities about where libraries have come from, where they are now, and where they can go in the future. My name's Mark, and I have some fantastic guests here today to continue the conversation that we've been having already. So we'll start with he, how sh he who shall be named momentarily to my left, then we'll go around the circle. Go ahead. Greetings, everyone. This is Jason, a.k.a. Dick DeCoco, a.k.a. Bobby Manitoba, prison inmate number 90210. Uh, I'm doing 20 to life. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we can cut that out, right? So uh, my name is Jason. I'm sorry. We are keeping that. We are keeping that in. We're keeping that. I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. Uh, my name is Jason McIntyre. I am a library assistant, too. I've been with the library almost 30 years, so that's quite a while. I've done various um, positions here at the library, but most currently I handle overdues, uh, library room rentals, equipment rentals, and things of that nature. I also do a lot of public service shifts and handle some of the uh, accounting, I guess. So that's about it. Right on. Thanks, Jason. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> Next up, Jess, go for it. Hi, I'm Jessica DeFelio, and I've been working for the library for four years. I typically work at the Wallsburg branch, but um, we can pick up shifts anywhere, so sometimes I'm in Chatham, and I work with Jason. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and props to him that he does overdue fines because I don't like doing them. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I work with outreach programs, customer service. Um, in the branches, we kind of do a little bit of everything, um, different type of needs and staffing. So that's basically what I what I do. And displays, because they're fun. I do all that too, but in Chatham. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but certainly not least, Michelle. Hello. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims. I, um, I'm a just a second, Mark. Okay. <laughs> I'm still thinking of what Jason said. Okay. Here's the crazy thing. I don't remember what I said. I just say things sometimes and it... Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm Michelle Sims. Um, I've been at the library for uh, over 30 years. I work in the home service department as well, delivering books to patrons who can't um, come into the library. So meet a lot of new people that way, so... It's fun as well. Oh, lovely. Has a home service been offered here um, ever since you've been working? Oh, yes, forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know about the service, um, but we will, um, myself, and we do have some volunteers. They will deliver the books to the patrons, and then we'll also pick them up. So they don't even have to leave the house if they don't want to. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah. That's a, actually something that I've learned. I think I, I thought I knew the library quite well coming into these conversations, but at every single uh, conversation, I keep learning more and more. Library does a whole lot of stuff. Yes. So uh, we've been covering a few different topics on these podcasts, and today's topic that we're going to be covering and likely taking a few detours at the same time is the idea that library builds community. So as has been the case with the other podcasts, we're, we're grounding our conversation in feedback from the strategic planning survey, so feedback from the community, 
to loop everybody in so we're all on the same page, I'll just read a few quotes that we've, we've gleaned from those surveys to, to help us kind of get started today. So these are straight from, straight from the community's fingers um, as they're filling out the surveys. So I enjoy seeing people I know from my local community almost every time I am there at the library. When my family fell on hard times, the library was there for us. Uh, the library brings the world to our small community. We sometimes forget that it is people who are important in libraries. Uh, the library was our, how our family was able to cope during shutdowns. The libraries have always been a place for everyone. The local library is an important social and educational link to our local community. It is the most welcoming public place that exists, and library is community. So I guess to get us started, do any of those quotes in particular uh, resonate with any one of you? It does for me. Um, yeah. I think it's really important, the library in general. Um, we provide a lot of services, and we're basically a community center whether it's checking in or out books or helping people with information, um, that's that's what our skill set is, right? And each and every one of us have a different background, and we bring our niches together to provide that service to our patrons. So I don't know. I just think that's really important for me, and that's why I enjoy working at the library. Yeah. And um, especially with everything going on right now, it's it's a need, and I think some people don't even, or I should say, aren't aware of everything we do, and. Like, it's great that we're doing this right now to share that. How has the library been able to, you see, in particular right now, I'm, I'm assuming you're meaning kind of like the COVID The COVID, times. even with um, things in school that are changing yeah. on a weekly basis probably. I mean, yeah. I think a little bit more steady right now, but, you know, we provide bags of books, uh, educational resources, online databases. They're all useful for even kids in this education system, right? So um, even right now with Orange Shirt Day today, you know, we have books about that. We have story kits. We are providing um, free pins, the Lana's pins. You know, there's a lot of things that are, you know, that we do with each other and within the community. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's that's really important. That's what that's our focus. So. And just to add to that, yeah, yeah. Um, we are also a touch point, I think, for um, people that have no family members or no close friends that they couldn't meet with, especially during COVID, but anytime because society has kind of moved online. And so, like I say to people, I've been here almost 30 years. So I've had conversations, ongoing conversations that never seem to end for the last 30 years with some people. And um, just for example, there's a fellow that passed away a few years ago, but we had talked since I was 15. <laughs> Every single day he would come in, read his paper after work. And then when he retired, he would come in in the morning and we would chat. So he didn't have any other outside source for just human contact. So all of the programming and everything is extremely important, but just having somebody to chat with is also really important. And I think we do a great job at that. We get to learn people's habits, what they're interested in, and we can communicate with them. And that's an ongoing thing. It's something that can never stop. And I don't think the library is recognized for that. It's an ongoing conversation. You're right. We're like a family, right? You get to know people. You, you see children grow. I mean, I haven't been here for that long, but, you know, even within the last four years, I've seen children age, mm -hmm. different classes, you know, different interests and parents that are going through different things or interested in different things, changing even the books they read. Mm -hmm. So, like, I agree. 
Absolutely. And the kids that used to attend story hour, they would come in to study as well. So now the kids that they were trained to come to the library because they know this is a safe community. It's a welcoming place. Mm -hmm. So that right from the time they come to our story hours at three years old, they come back in high school. And then again, they come and they book a spot when they're off in university. And then you see them bring their kids in. Now that's amazing. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it, it lends itself to the fact that, I mean, especially right now, I think we need those, those kinds of safe spaces, those when communication has, or um, connection, even communication has felt a bit frayed or a bit more challenging. People go to those spaces that they have felt like are safe for them, are familiar with them. And I think that like, it relates great to that quote that, somebody offered in the, in the surveys, which is um, sometimes we forget that it is people who are important in libraries. Like you said, that there's all the resources in the world and it's, which is fantastic, but the library staff are kind of helps, helps connect those dots for people. I like the one quote where um, someone had said the library was how our family was able to cope during shutdown. So many um, patrons who came to the desk, even when we were offering curbside, and they would just say, thank you for being open, or we would have crafts for the kids because maybe they couldn't get to the store or if the store was shut down or whatever. Um, they were able to bring home something for their, their children to do. So, But it was you know, made me feel really happy and proud that we were there to provide something for the community mm -hmm. and to see their smiling, well, I couldn't see their face, but see their, their <laughs> eyes, <laughs> couldn't see their smile, but we could um, just just hear it in their voice, how thankful they were um, that we were here for them. Mm -hmm. But it's also for, I mean, obviously every family went through something different during the pandemic or what we're still in it kind of, but, um, you know, some people had financial issues, right? So crafts are expensive. Things are expensive. Those are things that are needed. And, you know, in one way, we're kind of like a social service. We're providing things to provide accessibility, I should say, sorry, and equity, right? Like we want everyone to be able to experience the same things even during hard times, right? Being able to read, being able to create, you know, connect. Yeah. So. And offer that service, um, mindful that people have a different experience, especially during COVID, that people have, their relationship to that whole experience has been, um, some people have lost jobs. So if, if that's the case, then you don't have, um, income coming in in the same way, then your access to materials, your access to services may have drastically changed. But I think that's the, one of the cool things, I guess, with the library is that it's, um, I found that its services are pretty agile, so it can it can respond to kind of where you're at um, as an individual or your families, or it's, um, it's flexible that way. Right, and different age groups, right, so. Yeah. And it was one of the only consistent services throughout the pandemic. We were only closed, what, 11, 12, 13 weeks. Mm -hmm. Then we opened again for curbside. Mm -hmm. But families were so excited to come back. Yes. And then we also had people that were moving from bigger areas, London and Toronto, and purchasing homes here. So this is their first stop because they don't know about services in this area. Mm -hmm. And because we had the curbside, they would stop in, get their library card, and also get direction to... Uh, the different services that were available at that time. Yeah. And they still do. I mean, we still have new people mo coming to Chatham as we speak. I signed up two or three new people just yesterday. So right. mm -hmm. it's ongoing. And I, the larger cities, sorry. Um, go ahead. I had someone as well recently, and they came from around Toronto area, and 
that's the that's the same thing. First thing, library. That's what we used to do when we were in a bigger city. It was accessible, something to do, and it's free. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing, right? It's free. So, yeah, I had somebody come to the Dresden branch um, back at the end of August, and exactly the same thing. They um, were new in the community. They wanted to kind of learn about Dresden, learn about some of the services. So they just came, literally walked into the library and. Because they that from that concept or that relationship was familiar for them from another community. some um, uh, new ways that you that you have found or that you've heard from colleagues where um, connection was able to be made after the pandemic happened so I think uh, we can all agree that services had to shift and there was um, the library has always been great um, with online offerings but I think the focus was just more on online when some other things weren't as accessible Um, so maybe that's one but what are some ways that you found connection was able to be maintained during the pandemic? Well, if we made phone calls, I would just maybe, you know, obviously we'd say, how are you doing? You know, things like that. But Mm -hmm. just maybe ask another question, just check in to make sure things are fine or if they're coming in for curbside and they're quiet, you know, I notice something that they like, I might mention something about it or offer a different type of suggestion. Just like make more, I guess, conversation, right? I mean, obviously we have different relationships with different patrons or checking in, right? I mean... This whole pandemic is also about mental health and making sure that we're all connected and we have each other's backs and being there for one another. So, I can relate. Um, before the pandemic, um, people who wanted books who were home service, they would call me and request books. And then during the pandemic, I've been calling them, checking on them, asking them, do they need more books? Um, how are they? And they've really appreciated it. One lady had said that the library is an essential service to her like, you know, she um, is in a retirement home and uh, she just listens to books on CD. So without um, us delivering to her, she wouldn't ha- have really anything. She would just be stuck in her room listening to TV, maybe. Um, so she was very, very thankful that the library was open and that we could um, deliver to her. It made her day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's gone on the days where... The libraries are a, a just like a museum for books. Like it's, it's, yes, there are lots of books here that you can that you can sign out certainly. But it's it, how do you access those books and in what way and then and the relationships that are built during that process I think are have particularly kind of bubbled to the service throughout this whole time. What would you say then, kind of to continue continue on that? Um, what role does a library play in helping establish a sense of community? In a, in a municipality in Chatham-Kent, like we have uh, a newer library staff member and uh, two folks who have been here for a very long time. So I think that's an interesting kind of collision of experiences and perspectives. So what have you been able to see that you find like really, really works if you're looking to establish some some sense of, of community here for folks? You can wrap it if you want. That makes you more comfortable. <laughs> 
was going to say your another name, but I can't remember what it was now. I don't have another name. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> We're going to edit that out. <laughs> I think the library has um, partnered with a lot of different organizations within the community. Like even today, we're supporting and we're all wearing orange shirts, but a lot of different um, organizations within the community, Black History Month, and we make aware, um, by even having displays of different things. Um, that helps, I think, with patrons coming in to inform them of different things that are happening around just Chatham-Kent. Mm -hmm. What would be some... Like the like the story you mentioned, um, Jason, um, but about the one specific patron that you had um, communication with since since you're 15. Perhaps we can share some other stories of of folks that you've been able to develop those relationships with. Sure. Um, right off the bat, I'm thinking of uh, a lady that had moved to Chatham Kent from the UK with her husband, and after being here for 20 years, she was not very outgoing. She was an introvert. She really relied on the library for her entertainment because she loves fiction. Uh, she would sign out DVDs. But when her husband passed away, she had no connection other than the library. So she would come to curbside and we would have a chance to chat, even if it was just for a moment. Um, sometimes if I had extra time, I would sit there and chat with her, maybe point out a few new books that she hadn't known were published. Um, so that kind of a connection is essential. I think the library plays that role and we never get credit for it because you can't write that down. It's hard to say this person relies on me to say, hey, how are you? Because without me checking in on her, there's no one. Without Michelle or Jessica talking to them, there's no one else. Now, if you think about in the wintertime, there are a lot of people that need a place to get warm. So they come in. We start to chat. They're in our library to just warm up for a moment. Then I come to find out that they're hungry. They haven't ate. So the library steps up and we've actually provided, you know, snacks and, and water, sometimes a hot drink, which has been sponsored by local business. In the summertime, it's a cooling station as well. So we get people that are not necessarily library people, that's quote unquote, but we do have a connection with the community and they see the need for the library. And I'm not trying to just rah, rah, rah the library, but that, it's just the, the truth of it. That's the truth of the matter. Well, I think we're a compassionate, I guess, entity. I don't want to say organization. I don't want to say organization, but um, I guess entity as a whole. You know, that's it's just something that we do. We we work here because we love what we do. It's not just because of I love to read, right? Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fiction reader. I'm more <sighs> nonfiction, right? Right? How dare you? It's devastating. <laughs> 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 and. Um, so, I mean, it's just something that, like you said, it's important what we do. I mean, we are essentially a community hub, right? It's it's not just about, like I already said, you know, checking out books. We we communicate. We, we even help the municipality with providing information of other services, right? And like you said, it's not about rah, rah, rah. It's just, like I said, we do this because we love what we do. And especially with the pandemic, we've stayed here, right? Like we've stayed working inside, doing what we need to do wearing the equipment, doing what, you know, we keep chugging on and for the support, you know, again, we're, we really are like community hub or social service to the community to better and to assist, right? Like that's how I feel and mm -hmm. it's important. When, um, that's a, that's a term I've heard a few times uh, mentioned, 
kind of in conversations in and around the library, this concept of a community hub. I'm wondering if we can unpack that a little bit and just kind of talk about when we talk about a community hub, what does that mean exactly? Well, historically, like a lot of cities have, you know, like a information center, right? I mean, we essentially are that. Mm -hmm. We help people do research. We help them look for books to do research. We provide information for other departments. We help entertain, whether it's children's programming, adult programming, home services that Michelle does, Jason with overdue fines or covering things like that, assisting patrons that might need more help. You know, these are all things that help, I guess, quote, better each other, right? The community and providing these services. So the community hub aspect is like a, you know, like a, any other community center, right? We're here, we're together, you meet new people within these programs. So that's essentially the point, right? I mean, in one way, we're kind of like a customer service department for the community. Like we're here to provide anything, look up anything, you know, people come in to help print out the vaccine quote passports, right? And things like that. So we're pretty much here doing anything and everything that we're asked of or needed from everyone else in the, the municipality, right? So um, if we can chug in and charge and do what we need to do to help, like we're there or we offer ideas to try and do something. And again, it's like so broad, right? Like we do so many broad things, but in one way they all still kind of go into that community frame, I guess. Mm -hmm. So It's not too often you hear somebody from the library say, that's not my job. <laughs> we tend to do, <laughs> we cover a lot of bases. Um, and just like the wheel on a bicycle, the spokes are us offering those services and pointing people in the right direction. We support the rim. We support the municipality. And I really hate to say it, but even being closed for three months, that was horrible for some of our patrons. It was. Um, there had been patrons that passed away uh, during that time. And we had a, a small community that would meet here in the library every day. And they looked out for each other. They were widowers. They were single older folks. They were retired people. But with the library closed for that long, some of them passed away and they didn't know. So we, as library staff, had to inform them that their friends had passed. So I think that is a community hub. That's the definition of it, is, is people um, helping other people get into connections with each other to make that connection. It's like the resource, the quote about the resource of uh, people are the important kind of, are the most important aspect of libraries and it's library staff are helping connect you to resources, but it's not necessarily a book. It could be other people or other communities that come and meet at the library who maybe you identify that somebody just needs some friends. And so you hook them up with this group of people that happens to meet in a in the cafe, like at the Chatham branch or something like that every morning to read the paper. Who knows? You might meet the love of your life. Why do online dating? Come in the library. Are there any more? Like I is there I mean I'm now I'm just being nosy. Is there any any more connections of people that you've seen kind of over the years or over some time where you thought that's the fascinating bit to me is um, as as a, a bit of a like a people watcher and a kind of a interested in cultural development and those types of things. It's that consistency of going to these safe places that you do. You end up meeting they meet maybe someone like your best friends and you just, you came here for a book and then you leave 10 years later with like a whole community. That's pretty amazing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I haven't experienced anyone trying to, you know, find a match at the library, <laughs> Tinder library match. But, um, but I have seen, I guess, couples grow together 
or I've seen them come in together and pick out books together. And it's kind of funny, some of the little quarrels that they have about, no, don't get that or try this, or I've read that already. And I don't know, it's cute, right? You get to experience that little bit of romance (laughs) at work. So especially with the older couples, but you know, I've seen younger ones too. And, you know, or getting a a new family, getting a library card, right? So it's kind of a fun experience to see. Absolutely. Like it's fun to see a newborn brought in with the, the parents and they want a library card for that baby book that they're starting. So I think that's cool to, to have that as one of the first memories. I think that's a neat idea. Mm-hmm. I send your kisses to Ray. I send a kiss just to me. But if not, send your kisses through me and I'll give you exactly what you need. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. One of the quotes from the community is, it's the most welcoming public place that exists. So what what are practices that maybe you do as an individual staff member um, or practices that you that exist at the library that, that help make that happen so that people do feel that it is safe, that people do feel this is a comfortable place for them to be, no matter who you are? I think just acknowledging them when they walk through the door, make eye contact with them and always say hi. People respond to that. And I had one lady today that I helped and just helped her find some books. And she said, thank you for taking the time to help me. And I said, oh, you're welcome anytime. But I just thought, wow, that really made a difference to her. Like I could see, you know, she just kept saying, thank you, thank you. And I, I just, that made me proud. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm here for her and other patrons. I always go with the customer service aspect, regardless of what role you're in. It applies even at the library. And it's not to be like robotic or anything, but it's just to be courteous and respectful. And um, I like to be playful too, like in the sense of if I see someone coming in, they kind of might look a little bit grumpy. I might be like, oh, hello, you know, like change my tone of voice or try to get their attention, might mention their name. And they're like, oh, you remember my name, right? Like those things are a key importance for these people, right? They're like, okay, so, I mean, yes, they come in like a few times a week, so you obviously get to know them a little bit more, you recognize their name. You know, there's one patron, for instance, I've done that too often, and it, it makes them smile, right? So it's it's a nice thing. And you don't know what's going on in people's lives, right? Some people might be struggling or going through things and um, or might just have a down day. So it's just one of those things that brings them up and makes them feel better. I was going to say, I've been to some libraries just visiting out of curiosity, and some of the staff members in other libraries are nothing like CKPL. They will not even look up from their book. They, they sit at a desk, and I asked for a Wi-Fi password at a library I won't mention, and they just took the pen and pointed to the password and tapped it and didn't even look up. I thought that was just horrible, horrible service. You would never find that from anyone, even the most introverted CKPL staff member. We always go out of our way to say hello. That's just horrible. Why do you think that's different here? What makes what makes that different in at Chatham in Chatham Kent? Because we cool. <laughs> we want them to come back. <laughs> yeah. Right. They don't have to come to the library. We want them to come here. So yeah. we go that extra step just to make sure they know we want you back. Come back. Plus, I think staff, we get along. We get along very well. I think it's the staff. The staff get <laughs> <laughs> Staff gets along great. So I think that really makes for a great workplace environment. 
And if you like each other, you're going to like the job more, even if it's a job you don't really want to do at that time. Sometimes overdues can be tough. I actually like that work. But for somebody else, it may be a tough job, but they'll do it because they know it's going to help me out because I'm not there that day. So I think just being friends and being able to joke around as friends really helps us to reach the public because they see we like each other, we like them, and we want them to come in. Well, I think that's what helps is that, you know, going back to like being a community hub, it's the people coming in, but we're also patrons here and we want to be connecting with each other, just like how I bought you treats before. You buy me treats all the time. Yep. Okay, library, FYI, anybody listening, the library is plentiful when it comes to treats. This is the greatest place in terms of <laughs> treat availability. And if you need candy, Jason's desk. Oh, Not anymore. Hot what? Yeah, I haven't put any out. But Deb has a stash, her second drawer. There's little mini chocolate bars. She buys them mostly for me, but does I thought she? I'd share that. She does. Okay. There are also no nuts because I'm allergic, so they're mine. Andrea also has uh, Tootsie Rolls at her desk. <laughs> she can keep them. Yeah. <laughs> Not a Tootsie Never Roll fan. Never underestimate a Tootsie Roll. A classic. It is, I would agree, is it underestimated candy? Although it is, it is very polarizing. I find you either enjoy a Tootsie Roll or you don't. And these ones are the flavored kind. Oh, like, no. I like the chocolate no? ones. Okay. <laughs> like the Bummer. More for me. That's fine. <laughs> Jason, did you stop because I brought in those Jolly Ranchers that one time? No, I actually like Jolly Ranchers. I just, I forgot, honestly. I've The interesting thing that I found um, to that point, Jason, um, is that the internal, like the staff are their own kind of community hub. When you share that love for the service or you genuinely get on with each other, that type of relationship is infectious. It, it lends itself into the rest of the branches too. And people, I think maybe whether they recognize it or not, just want to be a part of that. Whether it's like on the... On the fringes, if you just want to kind of grab a newspaper, have a seat, and just kind of listen to what's going on in the library, or you want to like jump right in and kind of get into the conversation, they, I think it's fun. It's nice to have a, a laugh with the people you work with, but then here with the public too. Maybe let's like take a bit of a detour and do a little bit of pie-in-the-sky future um, imagining. So when we're thinking about the future of the library, we've established that it's a, that it's a community hub, how in the future could it be either maybe more of a community hub or what would you like to see as part of the future of the library? If, Can we be honest about this? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to be sure. Yeah, like please. Like, Again, it, it, it can be... Is this your speed dating idea? No, but that would be hilarious. I know, and awesome, that's why I thought Because I think people would totally come and okay. do it. Please talk about the speeding, speed dating idea. It was just a joke. She no, it was a joke, but oh. I feel like we could totally come up with one. <laughs> you tell like I was in. I'm was still like, going to come up with a name, and I'm, after I'm this there. is done, I'll email you guys. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, honestly, yeah. it kind of derives from, like, other people supporting us, too, within our peers, right? And I don't mean, like, internally, but it it's just understanding what we do and all the, I guess, experiences that each and every staff member has, right? Like my art, my background's art. Um, someone else's might be psychology. Some people have studied different things or they used to teach, right? So it's just acknowledging that we have these skill sets that we'd love to use, but it's a matter of funding and informing, right? Again, it, like I feel repetitive, but we are essentially a social service. Like we want to share with people and if we had the resources, we could, right? And um, that's how I feel. I feel like if that's the possibility, then I think we could do 
greater things, right? I mean, we're ready to do great things, but it's just even more so. Um, I mean, a lot of us are part-time staff, and we just don't have that opportunity to to help the full-time staff sometimes too, right? Because we're only here half the time or less, really. Mm -hmm. And it makes it hard to provide the 100% full service of things that we could be offering. Um, Things that I would really like to see is joining forces more with the French community. I mean, we do some things in French. We do some things with newcomers and immigrants, but I think it'd be really nice to see like more bilingual story times, having brochures in French, you know, that we could outreach to the French school systems more because we do have quite a bit of them. And I think it'd be something really important to do. I mean, even College Boreal is now in downtown um, Chatham. So it's just things like that is something that I thrive on, but that's also because of my personal experiences as an immigrant. So I would like to see things like that. I think it's very important. And Chatham Kent wants people to come here, right? So it's it's just one of those things that I think if we had the resources or the time or the funding to, you know, it's not about more full-time hours, but just to have those extra couple more hours just to be able to implement one more program or something, right? You know? And, and programs, what I'm hearing is programs too that reflect the diversity of the staff, that the staff comes from a number of different backgrounds. So oh, absolutely. And expertises, right? Right, absolutely. Like we all have a different niche like to bring forward to the community and I think that if if it was possible with the right resources with the right amount of even hours like I said it's not even about you know I'm part-time I've been part-time this whole time I did take a full-time contract for a bit but I, I stay and I've turned down full-time jobs because I love what I do you know with the sport with my husband obviously sugar daddy but <laughs> but you know like because we're able to manage to do that you know, I've stayed because I care about what I do and I care about the community. And like I said, personal experiences as an immigrant, like the library has always helped me. I mean, when I first came here, it was the first place I went. It's the first place I wanted. I tried to get in for a job. It's it's just a home, right? It's like a second home, right? So I just wish maybe, I don't want to say the word valued more, but getting that support, that funding, that um acknowledgement of how important we actually are. I mean, libraries have been around for hundreds of thousands of years and somehow we've survived this, you know, maybe with budget cuts every whatever time frame, but we've, we've survived. We're not just an, a bookstore or lending situation, right? Like we're here, we do more and I wish we could do that. So that's how I feel. So if, if, if budget were no option or no barrier and there was that there was more support, there was more value. So kind of assuming those things to be true in the, in the future. What does the future library like look like, sound like, all those things? With no limits, I would say yeah. a lot more programming and uh, an increased budget for maybe musical instruments or a small recording studio, something that you could book. Um, and then wouldn't be a charge to anyone unless they broke a string or something, something s- simple. Um, I think, for example, like our right now our stats are down in terms of people visiting, and that is because we have very limited programming. Um, I don't think we have any programming, actually. It doesn't start till I think, next month, but it's still very limited because of the restrictions we have and being cautious with the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree with you. It's The programs is what we are I guess, known for, I would say, and... You know, we used to be able to visit schools. That's not much of an option. But then I wouldn't say we're understaffed or anything necessarily, but 
depending on your shift, if we have to do a Zoom story time, it makes it difficult because then we need to have the staff somewhere else to make up that lack of service, right? So, so it's, it makes it hard. So what other, what other kinds of programs? I mean, I've seen the, I know in Kingston as one example, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but they had a instrument lending library as part of a part of their program and like lessons and rentable studio space. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, what other kind of program concepts or, or things would you like to see? I would really like to see the 3D printing expanded so that staff are less involved and people can actually sit down and figure things out on their own and they can maybe book a, a computer or two and have a room to where they can sit down and have the option to play around with the, the machinery. Um, right now, it's very staff-driven. Staff are the ones that have to make the contact with the patron, actually do the print, where I think if a patron wanted to come in, they should be able to and, and just make that happen for themselves. Uh, other libraries have even small woodworking shops. So something like that's more dangerous. But at the same time, we're just thinking big picture. But that would yeah. be another great way to have people come in. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a big budget for a program. Uh, we have a, a movie program here it's every Tuesday when it's not in lockdown or <laughs> during COVID. And it's well attended. We've had as many as 65 people show up. So that's 55 connections. That's 55 people walking through the door. And when they leave, they usually leave with a book. They usually leave with a movie. So they take a tangible physical element from the library home with them. And what do they do? They come back the next week, return that and do it all over again. I think we can do some more uh, low budget, low cost programming what that's going to look like, I'm not sure. It would be cool to, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, yeah, yeah. but bring in a record player and listen to records with people. I think that would be cool. Just listening to some, hey, have you heard this one? Mm -hmm. And you put on an old record that no one's heard of. Like clubs almost. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was part of this thing in Toronto called a uh, Vinyl Fight Club. So you, you brought in, you did just that. So there was a record player at a cafe and you, um, you had to bring in three records and then you played three separate songs, and then whoever happened to attend that time um, had to try to figure out what the connection was between the three of them. Or you, a game was like, you have to try to get to from Prince to Bon Jovi in five songs, and then you have to try to like trace like the the kind of music or this or the the song. But yeah, I love that idea. The idea of trivia is huge. Uh, we've had a great response online for our trivia. So having that in the library would also be a cool idea. And it wouldn't really necessarily take a lot of money to do. Right. In the past, we've had um, where a dietitian came in and um, prepared different food for patrons to try. A lot of people attended that. So it would be nice, like in the future, if we could have even like a cooking class or something. I mm -hmm. think people would really like that or baking, you know, bake different cakes or something. But um, I think the, the community is looking, they look to the library for a lot of ideas or even free programming. And because that's what we do. We do, we have a lot of free programming and I just wish it could be more, like like I said, like the, the baking or cooking, um, it would help, especially people who live alone you know, how to cook, you know, when you're just one person or even canning or preserving it. Mm -hmm. so. and it's stuff that I think people are more and more interested in. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, when you are by yourself mm -hmm. or um, you're perhaps more apt to, to, to do that when you have some 
some folks who are doing it as well, who are maybe new to that process or have always been interested but have never tried it. It's the idea, too, like I guess with programs, um, as you've all alluded to, that um, in a lot of ways it's a driving, uh, a driving force to the library, certainly. Mm -hmm. And then that's an amazing place to link it back to kind of what we're talking about, to build community, whether it's going to a film screening or figuring out how to play a song on a ukulele or baking a cake and then eating it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if maybe if programs are kind of a vehicle for the library to find that sense of community. I'd like to see workshops too that I wouldn't say that schools are lacking in, but unfortunately due to their maybe budgets as well is resume assistance. I mean, I know we have community navigators and we have different departments within the municipality, but sometimes people don't feel comfortable speaking with other people, right? It's all the whole thing with, they know us, they feel comfortable with us. We have qualified staff to help with things, but you know, workshops about resumes or how to write a cover letter or how to even just use basic Excel or, you know, we do have online databases that teach you those things, but sometimes people don't have the time, right? Mm -hmm. And even art clubs or like going back to what Jason said, right? Having these clubs, just even just have a sketch pad, draw together. We have books about how to do this or that and sharing those ideas and making new friends. You know, it's especially with people that are new to the community, whether they're immigrants, newcomers, or people just moving to town from a different one about an hour away or farther. It's just something that I would like to see having more of that sense of community gatherings. But I also would like to see more history and art within the museum. So like we have the gallery space to show things. And I don't know if it's just not a focus that we've been trying to do, but it'd be nice to see more art installations collaborating with other local or municipal related art galleries, interactive art installations would be really interesting, especially within the library. I've seen a lot of interesting things. And What are some examples? What's something that you can think of that you've seen maybe somewhere else that... I've even seen where pages of books are falling down the ceiling and people can just look, whether they're poems or just like a short paragraph, people get to choose it and they could put it up and then you walk through it and you kind of just read and share what people have chosen. So there's a lot of interesting things. I've even seen like a billboard of sticky notes of books that they would recommend to someone else, but you know, using different colors of notepads or things like that, it makes it into art, right? Or different color of pens and, you know, whatever. Or you can write directly on the wall. I guess it depends what kind of surface you have. But there's things that can relate to art and what we do. But, you know, we do have the gallery space and hanging the walls, and it would be nice to see the walls not being bare or even having an art contest for the young kids to get into that because... The arts have always been cut in schools. Music have always been cut in schools, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when we were younger, I mean, I don't know everyone's age, but like there was band, there was art class, specialized art classes. Now it's like you might have an art hour session and then maybe if you're lucky, there might be like some basic music singing. But right. That's pretty much it. Um, unless if you go to maybe a larger city that has more funding or something like that or more of the, that demand. But if we can kind of collaborate and have those things here, it'd be really nice to see because it goes back to the whole community, art, sharing, experiencing, music. It just goes hand in hand. Yeah. It, it does. It links, links back to the idea of community where it's if resources are tight, if we're imagining a future where there's no budget and everything's hunky-dory and we have all the money in the world, um, for better or worse, maybe we're not there right now. So if we have to be a bit more frugal or a bit more collaborative to, to realize some of these things, then again, it just reinforces that idea of building community to 
to come up with, devise the programs, which also then build a sense of community when people participate. And then it just kind of keeps people in that, in that loop of having the opportunity to have that access to that community if, if you want it, right? Cause this life is wilder Unpicked petals and meadows For miles and miles Oh, baby child Let it go along In this righteous way Lead the way Hey! I remember um, Tanya Sharp, so the CEO of the library, chief librarian, little shout out to Tanya, um, talked about, I believe it was a library, this is going back 10 years ago or so, that was in Denmark, I think, that part of the world anyway. <laughs> and she was saying that the library there had no books, no, no materials. It was just a series of spaces that people could rent out or that folks could come in, community groups could come in and gather and, and meet. Obviously, this is pre-COVID times where gathering was a little bit less political in that way, but the idea of a library space was much more focused on this gathering place as opposed to a place where you would take out um, resources, which isn't to say anything um, negative about taking out resources, but there's just more resources to have access to than just those materials, right? Right. One great idea that is low cost, and we can do this in the future, is to have a jam session on Cross Street and just have some folks come with lawn chairs set up on the grass by the picnic table and just let them jam. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know how many musicians actually come in here, but I think that would be a community we can reach out to mm -hmm. and just say, hey, we're here, come on in. Mm -hmm. We can have the cafe open that day. They can come in and get a coffee and go back outside. And mm -hmm. it's a great chance to meet people, I think. And it's a great chance to have, to explore your artistic side. And I'm sure we'd get a crowd on the sidewalk. I believe it. Guaranteed, yeah, absolutely you would. What other communities, like music community, arts community is one that's been talking about, cooking community, we talked about? P.S. I would go to a music, art, and cooking event in a hot second. Um, but what other communities are, are there perhaps in Chatham-Kent that you would like to see at the library more? French. I would like to see that. Yep. I've been delivering on my own time sometimes books to a French daycare, speaking daycare, I should say, and they love it. You know, they weren't aware of all the resources we have. I mean, I think with, again, funding, we could probably get more French resources if they are aware of these things. You know, I've tried to reach out to some, but I'm not fluent in French. I would say I speak more Fringlish. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, I think they were unaware, right? So I think that would be a really great connection because like I already said before, we have that. Why not utilize it? Why not have them come in and enjoy reading instead of purchasing books that they might only need for the one class or might want to only read once. You know, we have popular books in the French language. And, and I mean, it's not to defer any other languages either. We have other languages as well. But, you know, we do have a large French population here, speaking French population. So it'd be really nice to see more people coming in because it's, from my personal experience, most of them were not aware of that, you know, possibility. So it's just nice to be able to maybe push that out more like a French brochure, like I said earlier, even a flyer in both languages. I mean, we would need to have someone check those things, but I, I can't imagine it'd be that difficult. There's, you know, with the schools, I'm sure we could check in with someone. So I just think that would be something really nice to see. And then I wonder too, if you have um, folks, whether it's a, um, a program that's um, directed to folks who speak French, right. um, 
to folks who want to play an instrument, to folks who want to cook, once you kind of get them to the library spaces or a space for whichever reason it is, then you have them. And then you can um, engage them to show them to show folks the different things that you can access at the library. So yeah, you came for cooking, but then you actually have um, a real fascination with film noir or something like that. And then you have access to all the different kind of DVDs that are available as well, as just as one example. But that's where I find it interesting, those places where the different communities intersect. And it goes kind of back to your analogy, Jason, about the, the bicycle tire and that it kind of spokes off into different directions. You come for one thing and then you can go in a number of different directions and then you follow one direction and it leads to another spoke and then it leads to another one. So it's this, the library is like this interesting place where communities like collide. Not only are they um, nurtured, but it's a place where all sorts of different communities collide and where else can you do that? Like where else in the community does that happen, you know? Like a melting pot. Mm -hmm. I think it would be nice to reach out to folks with disposable income, remind them that we're here. And an idea would be we close early on a Friday night at six. So we could have a wine and cheese night and it would be a fundraiser. So we have, I, and I know a fellow because through connections here at the library, just chatting across the front desk, uh, he would come in and give us a discussion on wine. We could do wine and cheese and have an, an evening of wine tasting. And we could use that as a, a way to remind folks that, you know, they may have all the devices in the world. They may be able to download any book they like and pay for it. But there are folks that can't, and the library can fill that gap. So if we reach out to a community that's willing to maybe drop a few dollars on a program that will go into helping the community that cannot, I think that's a good idea too. I think um, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. It, all we need is a liquor license. And let's make sure that we're not working that day. Right. So you can so we attend. Can go. <laughs> I'll DJ. So we're good that oh, way. Geez. <laughs> and Michelle will bring her cooking program. Oh, there who you will, go. Who will <laughs> I'll just well, taste the grapes. <laughs> well, I think the juice. people, um, when they think of the library, they think, oh, it's just books. And they don't realize that we offer so much DVDs, puzzles. Every spring we have their seed library program and we just did a fall to bring the butterflies in so you can uh, pick up uh, seeds for that. Like, I'm still amazed when people come in and they say, oh, I didn't know you had that. I didn't know you did, you know. And so there's still people that think the library is just books, but we're so much more. Mm -hmm. we, I think we really need to work on marketing and messaging. I don't know how to expand it. Social media, you can only go so far. I just don't know what else to do with but I think area. a part of that goes back to like, I hate saying it, but it's funding because it costs money to put things in a newspaper. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes people might offer it for free, but I mean, every week, you know, that could become costly. What's a newspaper? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that piece of paper that has print on it, ink. Do you know what ink is? That's <laughs> <laughs> the word jumble. <laughs> but I mean, I think it goes back to that, right? Or having the staff help the staff that do the marketing. Everyone's so busy doing the job. The job of different for different things, right? And it's just impossible. And I, like, like we've all said, we could do so much more if we had that opportunity. And it's not about you know full time jobs necessarily. It's just that extra three hours to implement that program that takes an hour, but then to prep it, right? It's just a little things that someone can help another staff member do something or do the program itself, and then cover somewhere else so that nothing is lacking, that everything can be done. And I think that's the main issue really, right? It's understanding what our importance is to the community and getting that, I guess, funding and 
representation and acknowledgement to be able to do those things. So that came up um, on another podcast. Um, was the concept of um, the library historically being a relatively humble service in the community that it it is um, kind of always humming, like it's just always there. It's always moving along with the community wherever the community is at. And maybe there's an opportunity for the library to toot its horn a little bit and, and to make a little noise. Like I think also the idea that when you come into a library, you have to be quiet and everybody like, like keep you just everybody like kind of um, go about your business and don't make noise. And I think that's been, I think, been dismantled or at least in the process of being dismantled. I know I have heard, I mean, in this room alone, just like having a good laugh or the sounds that come out of the children's room. There's a children's program in particular. Like I, I think um, I wonder if people, um, folks who maybe aren't as familiar recently with libraries or haven't come for a little while, maybe think they know what the library is, but maybe you actually don't have any idea. So you need to come and not only experience it, but help change it or help help turn it on a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Any kind of final thoughts? Anything that's been, that we maybe we haven't um, chatted about or things that are kind of burning in your brain that you wanted to share? Yo, what's up? Yo, what's up? Yo, what is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. Flow smooth like gravity. Never had a cavity. Got more rhymes than Warner Brothers got family. <laughs> this has been another, <laughs> this is a library podcast. Stay safe. We'll chat soon. Cause you got the timer. The weight of the world just floats like a feather. So wave goodbye. And let it float along in its righteous way. Music helps us tell our stories, and we have stories to tell. This episode of This is a Library podcast features the sounds of local artist. The Universe featuring Ray. <laughs>